Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts, open our eyes, not only to be a spirit-filled speaker, but to be a spirit-filled listener. Would you apply your truth? In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is describing kingdom life and what it means to be a follower of Christ. I mentioned to you a few weeks ago when we first started this, this series that I'm doing with you was first brought to my attention by a, a pastor down in, in Arlington, Texas. Oh, it must be close to 30, 35 years ago now. And it's been part of, for Carol and I, have been part of our thinking throughout the years. And so and we've been, as I've done this series a few times in different churches and so forth, there has been a sense of God reworking the material, taking it a little bit further in my life, and so forth. But I, I do think that it's an important series for our church because we're looking in a transition period as to making sure that we're grounded completely in what God wants us to do. In verse 5 of Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mountain, we see the seed. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then you have the flower in verses 38 through 48. That's part of the Sermon on the Mount where he explains what that meekness means. And he says, But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. I believe the scripture is up on the slides. Can you do, do you need Mick to help you or get it going there? Perfect. There we go. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for you for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You know, some years ago, there was a film that was put out way back. Um, it's got to be 25 years ago now or more. more. Charlton Heston starred in it. It was a, a movie called The Planet of the Apes. They redid that with Mark Wahlberg years later. Some of you probably saw that version. But my point, I guess, in bringing that up today is that if we ever wound up in The Planet of the Apes, and the apes were in charge and the humans were now in cages... And the apes sat around the bonfire asking, I wonder what it would have liked to have been a human. All they probably would have had to do is go back and read the Beatitudes and then reverse them. <laughs> that would have been 21st century humankind. Not blessed are the poor, but blessed are the proud. Not blessed are those who mourn, but blessed are those who never blink. Not blessed are the meek, but those who push down anybody else to get ahead. Not blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, but those who hunger and self thirst for self-ego. Not blessed are those who are merciful, but blessed are those who, who give payback big time. Not blessed are those who are peacemakers, but blessed are those who do anything to make sure their kingdom rules. Jesus' words here at this point cut against all society. I remember when I was growing up, we used to have comic books. Now, today they're kind of collector items. But we, we never had movies about superheroes. We had comic books. And in the back of those comic books, 
There were ads. That's how the guys got to pay for the comic books. That's why they could only charge like a dime for a comic book. But in the back of those comic books were ads. And one of the ads that was back there was an ad uh, by Charles Atlas. And, and it was about not being a 90-pound weakling. How many of you remember that ad? Yeah, quite a few. You remember that ad? It was a, a guy that's sitting on the beach, and he's 90 pounds. And here comes a real hot-looking chick walking by, and he starts to dream, oh, if I could only be the man in her life. Oh, if I could only take her on a date. And he starts to kind of get up, but another guy comes who's really buff and, you know, cut and ripped, and he kind of pushes the, the 90-pound weakling down in the sand, and he walks off with the girl. And Charles Atlas asks every man in America, are you a 90-pound weakling? Do you want to be strong? Do you want to get the girl at the end? Then take my course. Pay me a bunch of money, get some weights, and you too in 90 days can become strong. And the next picture is 90 days later. This guy has been pumping, sweating, and he has just worked himself into a lather. And now, miraculously, in 90 days, no longer 90 pounds, he has now gained 100 pounds of pure sinew and muscle. And he looks ripped and he's cut. And we go back to the same place at the beach. And now he pushes the bully down and he walks off with the girl. How many of you, I know you saw the ad, how many of you signed up for Charles Atlas? <laughs> no, nobody, okay. <laughs> you missed an opportunity there, right? That's kind of what I think people think meekness is. 90-pound weaklings sitting on a beach, getting pushed around by everybody. That's not what it means. In fact, Moses was the meekest man that ever lived. But no one would question his strength. Proverbs 16.32 says, Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Well, the world turns that around. Better to conquer a city than to have patience. I mean, we give medals for guys conquering cities, gals conquering cities. Anyway, I guess we should in terms of war and all of that. But the point of the, what the Bible is saying, it's harder to control your own spirit than it is to conquer a city. Can I ask you a question this morning? How, how are you ruling your spirit today? I think it takes great energy. It, creates, it takes constant devotion. When I read the flower today, and I, we talked about, you know, that, that uh, you've heard it say that love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies. What was your reaction? When you say, pray for those who persecute you. When it says, uh, when it says that, that, uh, that, that, that you should love one another, not just your friends, because even the tax collectors do that. What was your reaction to that? And I think what we say is this, that my reaction, your reaction reveals either my or your current state of spirituality. How you react ex says exactly who you are. Carol and I were doing a marriage conference, and she, we were talking about this whole idea of reaction one day, and she said, you know, Gene, there's no question, Gene told you that one of his most confessed sins is driving 
And there are days when people are driving and he wishes he was in a snowplow so he could just kind of conveniently push people off into the ditch. You know. That's my reaction. That's not exactly controlling your spirit, is it? I see people who react with road rage. You've seen them too. People are yelling in their cars. You can't hear it, but you can see it. They're, they're yelling. And what they're yelling is they're, they're making references to the other person's you know, eternal destiny. Or, or possibly spiritual heritage. And then they're, then they're and just like baseball has hand signals, they're giving hand signals to the other driver too. That reaction is not coming from what we understand to be meek. It's not what the Bible is talking about. In the, in the Word of God, the Greek word there for meek is an equestrian term, meaning the domestication of horses or wild animals. It would be like the domestication of a horse or a camel or a donkey. A wild horse becoming tame. Now when you do that, you don't take away the energy, the talent, or the spirit. But rather, all of that is now controlled under another power. It's under the control of the rider. And it's directed towards what we would consider useful service. The horse is controlled by his master. Jesus is not saying, blessed is the man who has no energy. He's not saying, blessed is the man who has no spirit. Blessed is the man who has no determination. But rather he's saying, blessed is he whose energy, spirit, talent, determination is all under the control of God. God wants to domesticate every child he has. The point of Proverbs is that the heart of humankind is tougher to rule than even the taking of a city. The point is, I guess, you can't do it. You know, we all have cars, and, and it's, it's just an engine. Now, an engine can operate just as well at 90 miles an hour going down a good destination, staying in its own lane, or it, it can operate just as well for a while until it hits a brick wall. That's why they put a steering wheel in a car. Because the engine can't control itself. Now, we've learned from last couple of weeks that Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they who actually come to God and say, you know, I have nothing to offer you. I'm actually spiritually, I'm totally bankrupt. You have everything to offer me. I have nothing to offer you. I thought at one point that when I became a Christian, God, you got a really good deal. But now I see that that's not the case. You have everything to offer me. And when I saw that, it began to break, it broke my heart with what broke your heart and what broke God's heart that all these people have said to him, I don't want you, I turn away from you, get out of my life. Well, I am so sick and tired of telling you that. In even a, the, even a, and I could say this, even in a kind of a passive aggressive way. We say it nicely, God, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'll leave you alone if you just leave me alone. And we think we're nice about it. But that is the actual essence of sin. And now we've come to a point when we understand that we're destitute. It, it breaks our heart that we have been trying to please God with our own efforts and everything else. And our heart is broken. And now we come to the third beatitude because it's broken we now want to be under God's control. We're, we're tired of being under our old control. We now want to be under His control. 
and everything that he's created to be. But let me tell you, I just want to be really honest with you here. This control is a daily thing. It's what Paul meant when he said, you know, that you need to die daily to self. Because we need to go back through these Beatitudes time and time again, I think, and we need to recognize that if I'm having control problems, if I'm running my own show, it's probably because I have taken it over again, and I think that I have really something to offer. But when I go back and I see I have nothing to offer, then my heart once again repents and is broken. And I think that's when we come under the control of God. And this is somewhere... I know that salvation begins there, but this is kind of where we kind of experience it, when God kind of takes over control. And this is where he can really take over control, when we're broken before him. A person who is controlled, a person who is meek, is characterized by many things. But God says there are three things that characterize a person who is meek. The first is that he is God-controlled. If you're taking notes, you can look at this in verses 38 through 42. Now, you see this, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. You see this in every Western. This was, this was John Wayne to the max, wasn't it? <laughs> he killed my son. Okay, then we're going to go get that boy. And it was an eye for an eye. You see it all the time. A tooth for a tooth. But God says, if you're really meek, then you're God-controlled. And how do I know it's God-controlled? Because Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, but I say unto you. Now, I've talked to you a little bit about that last week because when Jesus would say that, He said, you have heard it said of old, but I say unto you. He was saying, the rabbis had it wrong. But let me give you the clear interpretation of what it really means. Well, there was a lot of rabbis that were kind of upset about that kind of behavior. They were upset that He showed such authority at that point. And Jesus has said, that's not what we do here when we're meek. You may have heard that it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemies. Jesus is not talking about action. He's talking about reaction. Reaction. And sometimes it's tough to react properly. I know I mess up at time to time. I'm sure you do too. I wish we could, all, you know, in golf terms, I w- you know, every day we need a couple of mulligans. <laughs> we need a couple do-overs. And, and I tell you what, I think there's a difference between a reaction and a response, don't you? I think a response is defined, the difference between reaction and response is, is, is defined by time. If something happens to me like somebody um, is mad at me or, or, or gets upset with me or says something mean or, or says something even, even uh, wrong and a lie about me or, or treats me wrong, if I have 24 hours to pray about it and consider it, I usually come through with a fairly good response. But if I've got 15 seconds to react, <laughs> sometimes I really mess up. How about you? And Jesus says, when you're God-controlled, even your reactions are under the control of God. Boy, I'll tell you what, that hits me right here. Because some of my reactions are not that godly sometimes. They're coming from places that are still maybe wounded or hurt 
And I know that if it's true for preachers, it's true for anybody in the congregation. Mark said earlier, we need his grace constantly. Well, here it comes. Here it comes. Uh, I told the first service that I was out on the golf course a couple days ago. And I was marshalling before my wife joined me for the back nine. and and Or I, maybe I'm getting this mixed up. I'm not sure. Anyway, it happened. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm somewhere around the sixth hole, and I'm with a, a group of guys and, and uh, talking, and we're kind of marshalling and having fun and kind of keeping them going. Anyway, I want to fast forward the tape to where we get to number nine. The group that was two groups ahead of them decided to go all the way into the clubhouse, which is way out away from where the 10th tee is, and, and, and get a hot dog and a Coke and all that. You're not supposed to do that. At this course, you're supposed to go on and finish 10 and then have your food out at the 10th hole. But anyway, they went and did this. Well, then by the time they got back, there was like two groups on the tee now. And a third group was coming behind them. And that was this group. And this one guy, he was just irate. If they went and got a hot dog, then they should have to skip a hole and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and he was just well, finally it got to the point where this guy was yelling so loud, he, he was scaring people. And so I got on the walkie-talkie and I said, my reaction, I called, I called the, the pro and I said, pro, I know I'm a minister, but you better come out and help me because I'm going into middle linebacker mode here in a moment. <laughs> and so he was out there like in a New York second. <laughs> and he came out and as soon as the guy saw the pro, Everything changed. Oh, it's okay. It'll be fine. You know, I'm all right. You know. What the pro didn't know, and I told him later, was back on the sixth hole. Remember that? We're going back down in the story. And I told you I was talking to a bunch of guys. That was the group I was talking to. And I'm sitting in the cart, and he said, um, for some reason we got talking about age. And he said, hey, well, how old are you? I said, well, in a few months, I'm going to be 70. No, you're not going to be 70. Yeah, I'm going to be 70. Well, then you must have had a cush job. Uh, again, no reaction. And I said, well, I've been a pastor most of my life. He looked at me, and he got real quiet, and he goes, well, praise the Lord. I'm a deacon down in my local church. Fast forward the tape again. He's the guy you doing the yelling and screaming. I told Carol about it later. And the point is that we're not always love-controlled, are we? Even when we know the Lord or say we know the Lord. If someone deliberately injures you and they were in your power, you know, wow. I don't care what you've been taught, Jesus says. I don't care how you feel. I say unto you, if you're really meek, then you're God-controlled. Number two, it says not only are God-controlled, but you're love-controlled. Look at verse 43 uh, and 45. For he makes his son to rise on the good and evil. Wow. If you were God and you could control the sun and you could control the rain... And you were, you were in your neighborhood, and there were two houses across from you. One of your neighbors really loved you, and the other neighbor was just a real pain in the tail. He would come over and steal your paper in the morning. 
He would maybe dump garbage on your lawn. He would make up stories about you. He was, he's always being mean to you. Now, you're God. You have the power of God for this moment. And you control the rain and you control the sun. You might be tempted to have the neighbor who really likes you to make sunny days and rain on his lawn and this guy to experience nothing but ice storms. Possibility could exist. But God says that when you're a meek person, not only are you God-controlled, you're love-controlled, and you treat your enemies as if they were your friends. God doesn't do that. He makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Someone deliberately injures you, and they were in your power, what would you do? What would be your reaction? And I say to you once again, you'll never react, God-controlled or love-controlled, until you first come to the point in your life where you understand that you have nothing to offer God. He has everything to offer you. And that knowledge alone breaks your heart. You are so sick of being under your own control, of running your own program, and you cry out to God, God, control my life. But when we respond and we react in ungodly ways, I think the issue isn't always challenging whether or not you're a Christian. The issue is to go back to, has there been real repentance? Has there really been a good look at who's really in control? The third thing, not only God-controlled, love-controlled, but eternity-controlled. In verse 46, it says, If you love only those who love you, what reward is that? Is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. Hmm. If you're only kind to your friends, everybody else does that. Even pagans do that. But what's the promise here? The promise is that the meek shall what? Shall inherit the earth. <laughs> now I can guarantee you that if the world wants to inherit the earth, the earth, they fight, they do wars, they control, they fight for every inch of land they can get. But Jesus says, no, for a person who's understood that he's absolutely bankrupt spiritually and it causes him to mourn that he's been away from God and running his own life and he repents from that and he says, I will give you my life, Lord, and you control it. Take my energy, take my spirit, take my gifts, take my determination. It's all under your control. God says, you know what I do with a person like that? They inherit the earth. I guess Charles Atlas was wrong. It's about being God-controlled, love-controlled, eternity-controlled. Scientists tell us right now that the Atlantic seacoast is, is sinking one foot every 30 years. Everything eventually is coming to an end. And yet, God is the same God who taps us on the shoulder and says, Kevin, Tim, Sue, Betty... Mary, Alan, Jim, Jean. Blessed is he who does the will of God, for he will abide forever. Whoa. There's real power in being controlled by God. 
person who is over here and he understands he's spiritually busted and he's de- he is absolutely destitute. He repents by being by coming under his own control and so sick of breaking God's heart. He's so sick of breaking God's heart that he says, God, please take control of my life. You know what's coming next week? This is a guy who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. He can't get enough of God. We'll talk about that next week. You know, one of the things that I have loved and uh, was we had a little dog. His name was Bronco. He was kind of a Heinz 57 mutt. Just a great little personality dog. And he, we had him for a number of years, and then he died. And, and, uh, but we would love to watch him run on occasion. And I, I remember in one such scene, I don't know that it was a regular occurrence for Carol and I, but I can remember in one such scene, we were at a park, I believe, and he was, uh, Carol stood kind of down, way down a little bit further, and I said, and Bronco ran after her. And then I'd call him, he'd run back over to me. Carol would call him, he'd run back to her. And about four times, Bronco just kind of said, I am really tired. And he kind of sat down in the middle there and took a break. But there's something about watching an animal run, isn't it? It's just fun to watch. Something in full stride. I have to think that the Father really gets, just loves to see us in full stride. Really running the race that you and I have been called to run. Keeping the faith and finishing the course, but under the control of Him. I want you to watch this clip. I want you to see what it looks when something's under the control of a rider. Take a look, and then I'll come right back.
Afraid of nothing. He does not shy away from the sword. He cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. I do believe that when we are under the control of God, truly under the control of God, I think Jesus turns to the Father and says, let him run, Father. Let him run. And when you forgive people that probably shouldn't be forgiven, when you are merciful to those who are not merciful to you, when you pray for your enemies and love your enemies and the world watches, you know what the world says about you? That's impossible. But when you're under the control of God, you win by 31 lengths every time. Every time. Nobody, but nobody can stand up to God. You're going through a transition. And we went through
through the transition. The pastor left, and the pastor will come. Love controlled, God controlled, eternity controlled. Maybe some of your reactions were not the best when the last pastor left. You need to deal with that. (laughs) I do love being interim. (laughs) But you need to deal with that. Because that's the kind of church that God builds on. A God-controlled church. And the world will look at you and see you being an influence in this community. They'll see you do things that they only dreamed of. And they'll say, wow, that's impossible. Well, it is with humans, but not with God. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your wisdom in your word, how powerful it is and how powerful it speaks to us. Thank you for allowing us a little human illustration at the end, just to maybe punctuate what you do in all eternity. Truly, it was a happy day when we found out that uh, we were poor in spirit. It got even happier when we repented and said, no, I don't want to control my life any longer. It got even happier when we got under the rule of God. Can't wait for next week, Lord. Truly, this is a real blessed series. May you bless us. May you bless our church. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Sing that first chorus.